everyone. So my name is Jacob Fortin. I'm the host of Time for Emerging Market Tours within Emerging Markets. And I'm honored and privileged to have with me Paul Rawls. I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, the founding uh, the partner of the, the founding partner of Asa Hub. And I mean he has other ventures as well. Um, he has worked with HubSpot and he has also been part of Stage 2 Capital. So uh, we're going to talk about all of this, uh, but first, it would be great to know Paul and kind of his story and all that. So, uh, Paul, welcome to the podcast. Yes, Jacob, thank you for, for having me. And I'm also uh, humbled uh, to be here and uh, really excited and, and grateful for the invitation and, and grateful for the opportunity to share my experiences a little bit and hopefully help uh, others um you know achieve bigger dreams and and do bigger things as we were talking uh, uh prior to the podcast when we were preparing uh so yeah just a little bit about me i'm i'm a child of immigrants i was born in new york uh, my mom's from argentina and my dad's from puerto rico the uh the icebreaker that i like to use is that um for those of you who know sports I play soccer like a, a Puerto Rican and uh, baseball like an Argentine, which is to say <laughs> I am quite terrible at sports. Right? So Argentina has a good soccer culture, Puerto Rico, good baseball culture. Somehow in my DNA, they got mixed up. So I had to find other pursuits in life. Uh, I am a very curious person by nature. I love to learn. Um, so when I, when I realized sports wasn't in my future, I thought it'd be really cool to be a professional student. Uh, so I have a, an undergraduate degree in engineering, a, a master's in engineering, an MBA. Uh, I, I quickly realized, unfortunately, that uh, being a professional student creates debt rather than wealth. That was that was strike two. Um, and uh, you know, after my MBA, I I took a chance on a little startup uh, that called HubSpot and. I've been really lucky. Uh, in August, uh, I will I will achieve 10 years at HubSpot. I never thought I'd work for one company for a decade. Uh, I think our previous, you know, our parents' generations, that was more typical, at least here in the United States, you know, um, working your entire life for one corporation and, exactly. and that. And so, yeah, the success at HubSpot has been beyond my wildest dreams. Uh, also, when I joined HubSpot, it was a new profession. It was in sales, and I thought, you know, let's give it a shot. And if it doesn't work out, I'll I'll pivot yet again and find something new to do. But uh, fortunately, as it turns out, I'm I'm pretty okay at sales. And so, over the years, I was able to ascend from an individual contributor to a frontline manager, and then to to director uh, as I operate today. So that's just a little bit about me there. Well, thank you so much. That was that was. I think one thing that I I could relate to is that I I I'm not going to much school, and and I think oh hi, sorry little guest. Uh, it happens. It happens. Through the times, right? So working and family, they all mix together. Uh, I know. Uh, but one thing quickly was you know being a professional student, you know, required you know so much debt, and that's something I can relate to. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're going to gain skills, but you end up spending a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, so eventually, that that can work. Just to go right. So I mean, the story is really amazing. One thing that I really like to get out of you is like, how did you end up in hotspot? Was it just by accident, or was it something that you were introduced to? to or, no. Um. 
I would say HubSpot was not by accident, but sales was. So I, I won't, in the interest of time, I won't go too deep. But, um, you know, in a former life, I was an engineer and I became disenfranchised with that profession and decided that I wanted to, to, to become a, a, a marketing professional. And so that is what eventually led me to Sloan, uh, MIT Sloan, where I got my MBA. Uh, I focused a lot on marketing there. I took all the marketing classes. I did a bunch of marketing projects. I really immersed myself and tried to completely rebrand myself. Mm -hmm. um, so unfortunately, when I was graduating MBA, though, and I was trying to, to start a career in marketing, uh, I was also trying to pivot uh, industries. And so I had uh, experience previously uh, at Ford Motor Company and Sears Holdings Corporation, massive global companies. Uh, well, Sears is, is a, a big player in the U.S. I, I don't know that I call them global, but still big, big, big corporations. And I wanted to go to something smaller, somewhere where I thought I could have a, a more immediate impact. But uh, smaller companies... Um, weren't interested in a rebranded engineer. <laughs> they wanted someone with a track record in marketing, right? Um, and so the way I was selling myself in interviews was like, hey, you know, I pivot fast, I learn fast. Like, look, I've been successful in multiple different, you know, industries and disciplines. I can do this. And they were, and you know, I remember one interview, someone said, Paul, I buy your brand. I believe you're smart, coachable, talented but that's not enough. I need that and I need experience because I don't have the time and the bandwidth to help you up the learning curve, however fast you may do it. Yeah. I need someone who can take themselves up the learning curve. And I was like, wow, holy cow, that really impacted me. Yeah. And so HubSpot was, um, is, is and I think remains a darling in the MIT community because our co-founders, Brian and Darmesh, uh, are MIT Sloan uh, alum. So... Yeah. We learn about HubSpot uh, quite a bit at, at Sloan through case studies and things like that. And so you know, I tried to join HubSpot uh, on the marketing team and the recruiter at Sloan that I met uh, turned out to be Mark Roberge, the original VP of sales at HubSpot. And he said to me, look, Paul, I'm just going to be honest and transparent with you. You don't really have a shot at HubSpot for marketing. Um, you know, we sell marketing software like marketing is deep in our dna and people that we hire for marketing here have like gobs and gobs of marketing uh experience which you do not have so you basically reiterated the whole you know you may be smart and pivot fast and learn fast but you don't have the experience you're looking for and so he said to me have, but have you ever considered sales mm -hmm. um you know, he says, I think MBAs and consultants make for great sales reps because, you know, uh, you have the skills to problem solve and, and to qualify uh, prospects and understand their needs really, really well. So you can then propose you know, a solid solution to their needs. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then he also said, you know, a lot of C-level executives uh, or something to the degree of most C-level executives uh, functionally before they get into general management come up through sales uh, versus other functions, which may or may not be true, but he kind of sold me on that. And so I said, you know what? I do think sales is a valuable skill. I don't have a lot of experience there. Let me give it a shot for two years. Let me learn. Uh, let me add that skill to my repertoire and then I'll pivot and I'll go find something else. I didn't really anticipate doing, you know, building a career in sales. And so uh, HubSpot was not by luck, it was a little bit by design. It was one of my target companies. 
but how I got to HubSpot and the function within HubSpot, that, that was a little bit more fortuitous. Yeah, that's, that's great to know. I, I mean, I, I think sometimes uh, people just hop into opportunity because they just met the right person at the right time that led them to this amazing career that you seem to have, uh, and you definitely have. And, and I think uh, just having the conversation with you earlier, I could tell like a very good sales, um, you have a good, very good sales personality that really is genuine and you actually want to help people along the process. So um, that was something that was just great to know. And I think sometimes, as you said, you know, we have we have these skills and talents that you might not know you need it, but later on it might come in uh, very handy. So just taking to our segue, uh, how did you get into um, I'll say Hub Ventures Partner, and how was that transition like? Um, yeah, uh, from a salesperson now to. So uh, again, you know, so, something you and I were talking about before we started the the podcast is, um, you know, for for some underrepresented communities, um, we are also underrepresented when it comes to venture capital and investing and things of that nature. So. This path was never really one that was clear to me or was um, was uh, intentional for me, okay? And, uh, you know, I will be brutally honest, and I'm not offending anybody here, but when I joined HubSpot, I did not have great expectations in the sense that startups have a high mortality rate, and I wasn't joining HubSpot with the grandiose expectation that we were going to IPO. I said, hey, you know, I'm going to join a a small, uh, nimble, energetic startup, and hopefully I'll learn something valuable there for a couple of years. I'll take those skills and those learnings and I'll apply them to whatever comes next. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I was blown away beyond my wildest dream, everything that's uh, happened in the last 10 years, you know, uh, IPO and, you know, with promotions internally and contests in, in sales. Sales organizations have a lot of contests sometimes, also uh, pre-IPO, when you're trying to conserve cash, uh, a lot of compensation is equity-based. Well, hey, you know, guess what happens when you IPO? That equity actually turns into something meaningful. And so I, I grew wealth much faster than I ever, ever, ever anticipated. You know, I thought you know, that, that, that what I've accomplished humbly, uh, I was going to be in my 50s or 60s when it happened, and instead it happened in my 30s, and that really opened my eyes to new things, you know, mm -hmm. and new possibilities. And so, um, one, I witnessed firsthand, uh, you know, the idealized uh, 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 experience of a, of a startup that basically scales right, operates well, and ultimately IPOs. Secondarily, uh, in my time at HubSpot, I've mostly focused on selling to Latin America. And um, Latin America as an emerging market is uh, less mature than the U.S. or Europe. And so a lot of the people and companies that I was selling to in Latin America were early adopters and uh, of technology, of the concepts that HubSpot was, was espousing and selling. And early adopters a lot of times tend to be startups, right? There's a good overlap there uh, between founders of a startup and early adopters of novel concepts and new technologies. And so I also had the privilege of, of working hand in hand, uh, uh, selling to and mentoring startups in Latin America and in Brazil. 
uh, and seeing them grow, and it's really fun. You know, I think back to eight years ago when I was a rep and selling software to a, a little startup in Brazil that now uh, employs thousands and thousands of people, is a unicorn, is worth a ton of money, and I'm like, wow, I saw these guys grow, you know, uh, uh, from from infancy almost. And so, uh, basically, a massive learning that I had uh, through all this is that. If you want uh, an exceptional return, if you want, you know, what they call in, in venture capital or angel investing a, a home run, you need to make aggressive bets, right? Um, if you want to earn a lot of wealth, um, uh, and my one of my personal interests is intergenerational wealth, right? So what can I pass on to future generations so that they have a leg up, so that they start from a level that, that I did not, or my parents or my grandparents did not have the privilege of starting from. Um, you're not gonna do that with a nine to five, just earning a salary day in and day out, day in and day out, right? That's a, that's a safe bet. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a conservative strategy, but a conservative strategy will, will generally not yield you an outsized return, right? Uh, so if you want an outsized return, you have to take a little bit more of a risk, a little bit more of a gamble. And so uh, with some of that wealth that I was afforded through uh, HubSpot's IPO, I decided to uh, personally start um, investing more as an angel uh, investor. Uh, and then, luck, and then um, you know, just participating in that arena puts you in touch with other investors. And ultimately, I found other like-minded investors. Um, and we formed uh, Excel Hub. So Excel Hub is is um, sort of like a an angel syndicate. Uh, it, it, it's morphing and collaborating and changing over time. Um, some of the other founders of Excel Hub uh, are looking to form a, a venture fund as well um, that is separate from but related to Excel Hub. Um, but Excel Hub, uh, basically its mission is to invest in Latin American or emerging market uh, companies that are looking to expand to the United States. So uh, the angels are mostly here in the United States, uh, and we have several uh, years or decades each of operating in the U.S. or in EMEA in Europe in more advanced markets, um, more mature markets, sorry. Um, and... Um, we have experience helping startups to like soft land, you know, we have networks here and we can put them in contact with IP lawyers and um, other mentors and investors and things of that nature. Uh, and so Excel Hub's really fun because I think that stakeholder alignment, sometimes people incorrectly assume is a zero sum game. And here, you know, what's interesting about investing in uh, Latin Amer emerging market startups is that there's some uh, cost arbitrage and valuation arbitrage where generally uh, these startups in those markets will have lower valuations, uh, will need less cash to operate because their cost basis is lower. And you bring them to the U.S., uh, get some some quick traction, their valuation skyrockets, and you basically capitalize on that uh, arbitrage opportunity for personal gain. But you're also helping, uh, you know, founders that would otherwise maybe have a difficult, if not impossible, time to cross the chasm and move from Latin America to the U.S. to gain traction and investment, especially 
if they don't have the network of having attended a Babson or an MIT or a Harvard, right? There are some insanely smart founders in Africa and Latin America and Asia and in underrepresented markets that don't have the networks or the pedigree. And hence they get looked over or, or, you know, they don't receive equal opportunity for funding and for scale. And so, you know, we all, we all win there, right? We're, we're, we're lifting up, uh, you know, people from our communities, we're giving them opportunities. And at the same time, you know, we're also, it's a smart, um, you know, financial outcome for yourself as well.